0: Thank you, Ben. Do we want to say thank you to Ben? And in fact, just because it's so cold outside and we want to be warmer, should we thank the worship team for that lovely worship this morning? Amen. Yeah. Thank you. It's always nice to sit and to sing, you know, as part of our worship when we offer something to God and we come to Him abandoned. Uh, I do love the presence uh, that sits on this place. I know I often share to the dismay of many. You know, I know we're all Christian churches and I know we're all part of the same team doing all that we can, what God has called us to do. But I can't help but be biased and love what we have here. Yeah, I just love it. Absolutely love it. I think we're the best church going around. You know? If ever you have a pastor in any church that says, you know what, the church down the road you know, and up the street and we're terrible, you probably want to ask him to leave. <laughs> you should think that this place, if, if you're family here, you should think that this is the best place. yeah, Because you're family with one another. There's something that God does in the midst of family. And over the last few weeks and months, months actually, we've been on this journey where for me, God's been unpacking what he wants to do with us. Um, and how he wants to shape us you know the reality is that he came he saved us from an eternity where we would have been separated from him for the simple reason and fact that he wants us back in his family he wants to have a relationship with us so he saves us he redeems us he restores us yeah he does all this wonderful work and then our god is so giving and so loving that he goes as far he he then begins to empower us and equip us he i've got i love fans that's cool. If ever you want to walk past, and no, don't. Um, so, he equips us and he empowers us. He gives us the Holy Spirit, and not only does he give us the Holy Spirit, he then gives us the gifts of the Spirit, so that we can live a life, a Christian life, something that should be so normal yet supernatural, yeah, so extraordinary yet so natural. He he empowers us for all of that, and along the journey, he he actually starts to shape us and mold us and he, and he takes what was really quite rough around the edges and i know some of you don't think that but some of you were really rough around the edges like some of you are still really rough around the edges some of us feel as though we're going to be rough around the edges forever yeah but he takes what was rough around the edges and he just starts to shape us and mold us, and he starts to cut some stuff out that shouldn't be there, and he starts to prune areas where he can see fruit starting to come to fruition. But he, he knows that there can be more, and he does a work so that we can become more like his son Jesus. You now I think what a what a brilliant, you know, what a brilliant price to pay. He pays the price, we get the benefit. Like I love it. Could you imagine if we walked into a shop, you know, and you saw a pair of sneakers or shoes? ladies shoes, yeah. If you saw something that you liked and you go, I like those, and the shopkeeper goes, That's good, I paid for them, you have them. You know, it just doesn't work like that in the world, but that's our God. That's what he does for us. And he and he creates us into this beautiful image so that we can live this life. And then when life gets tough and we believe it's getting tough, then he starts to actually in his empowering and equipping of us, he gives us tools. And a couple of weeks ago we talked about the the armour of God. Yeah, versus the armor of man. You know, we, we were talking about how Saul with David tried to put his armor on, on David. Saul tried to put his armor on him, but it was too big because David had been through a pruning process. Any pruning process, you end up smaller. Man's armor is never going to fit us. It's never going to work. It might work for your neighbor. might work for the person up the street. might work for the person interstate and overseas. But man's armor, man's way of doing battle in life, is never going to work for a Christian. Once you say yes to Jesus, the old ways of doing things aren't going to work. You need to hear me, yeah? You're now shaped differently. You operate differently. Your citizenship isn't of this world. It's of another world, yeah? We are from heaven and we bring heaven to earth, on earth as it is in heaven. We operate differently. And so God gives us this armor. And I talked about a couple of weeks ago how, and I'm sorry for rehashing some of this, but you need to see the journey because you need to understand where you are on the journey for yourselves. And then he gives us this armor and because of the words that he chooses to use in this wonderful book, the world then takes these words and twists them a little bit. So when we think armor, we think war. When we think battle, we think fight. When we hear sword, we think cutting and bleeding and death, yeah? But God's the opposite of that. He's the opposite of all of that. Yes, we do battle, but our, the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal. Yeah? It's different. Everything about what he gives us to live this life after he saved us and shaped us and empowered us, when he equips us, he gives us the tools to live a Christian life, a normal Christian supernatural life his way, Yeah? A couple of weeks ago when we were in prayer meeting, sorry, I'm just sort of having a conversation with family, if that's all right. A couple of weeks ago when we were in prayer meeting, um, God dropped the word in my spirit. And I've shared it with some people and I didn't share it that night because the word has been bandied around, you know, Christian circles at the moment. So it's not jumping on the back of that. I needed to sit with it. But as we were praying, I really felt like God gave me a word for our family for the new year. And that word was awakening. It was awakening. And the picture I had and the thoughts that started to follow as I sat with it was there would be an awakening in the spirit. There would be awakening in the body of Christ. That gifts would be released. Yeah? That prophets and evangelists would rise up within the house. Yeah, there would be an awakening. Not because we were asleep, but because things were dormant. But we've been through a process of being saved, redeemed, restored, then shaped, then pruned, then cut, then empowered, then equipped, so that we can move out and live a life that's different to everybody else that's out there. That we would respond different to everybody else that's out there, regardless of the lemons that life throws at us. Yeah? An awakening, an awakening. It's, it's an awakening for our lives. It's an awakening for our house. It's an awakening for us as individuals. And if you think about it, a few years ago, the theme for our house in this church was family. It was family. It was really strong That particular year was interesting because there was stuff happening amongst families, you know, as in amongst members of the family. Um, But God was building a, a foundation, a base. And then this year's word has been freedom, living in this Christian freedom. And there have been people, some of us, that have struggled in that because of what life's thrown. But constantly and continually and consistently, Father's been doing a work in the house, preparing stuff for what he wants to do so now that family's been built now that freedom has been realized even in amongst the turmoil and pressure of life we can step into what he has for our new season which is an awakening within our spirit to be all that we can be to live this normal christian life yeah where's he going with all this it's a really good question you know when we I just want to rehash on this because I want you to understand how some of us, when I say some of us, I'm talking me, you know, and, and might be you. You can take that on board if you like. But over my Christian walk, over our Christian walk, we've often done things that, that probably aren't what God had intended. And so even playing around with the, the armour of God from Ephesians 6, and I won't, I won't read it all, but you think about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You know, the shield of faith, the, the sword of the spirit, that's the word of God. All of these things are things that he gives us to equip us to live this life. And it's not the way that we would imagine that we would need to use these things. We need to understand how to use them so that we can move into all that he has for us. Yeah, because there's always more. Yeah, does everyone understand there's always more in God? There's always more in God. Yes, we need to learn how to be content, but that's content with life. And it's not that we're discontent or dissatisfied with Him, but there is always more to capture, always more to experience. Yeah? There's always more. And if we place ourselves and position ourselves, just and ourselves before Him yeah, and allow Him to work on us, we discover more in Him. But in relation to, to that armour, I said a couple of weeks ago that everything about God's armor and the way that we're meant to use it screams love. It's all about love. Everything about Jesus, everything about Christmas, everything about Easter, everything about Him is love. Everything's birthed in love. Everything is fueled by love. You know, 1 John 4 8 says, Whoever does not love doesn't know God because God is love, yeah? So God's love. And then we look at Colossians 1 15, it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God. In fact, um, I'm just trying to think of the other passage of Scripture that, that, that says he's the perfect representation of the Father. So if God is love, Jesus is love because he's the perfect representation of the Father. And then we have a look at this armor that you and I are supposed to wear daily in this normal Christian life. And you've got the belt of truth. You know, Jesus is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah, he's the truth. We're supposed to wear him, the breastplate of righteousness. He is the truth. Our righteousness. We've become righteousness because of Him. We wear Him, the helmet of salvation. He is our salvation. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Yeah, the Word of God is Him. It's Jesus. The sword that we use is Jesus. Yeah, are you you're getting this. The, our feet that are, that are covered and 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 shod that that really bring peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Every part of the armor is Jesus, and if every part of the armor is Jesus, and Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father, and the Father is love, then everything about the armor that we are supposed to wear is love. Yeah. So when you actually read that passage in 2 Corinthians 10 that says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And it goes on. It's because our battle, our fight is done through love. Yeah, I'm not talking acceptance. I'm not talking about wishy-washy stuff. I'm not talking about compromising your faith. I'm talking about in love. Yeah, Everything about us is love. Swinging the sword is love. It's Jesus. The helmet we wear is love. It's our salvation. What protects our heart, the breastplate of righteousness, it's Him. So He brings us to this point, saving us, redeeming us, restoring us, shaping us to be more like His Son, Jesus, with ever-increasing glory, from strength to strength, and glory to glory, Yeah, becoming more like Him. And then He empowers us to walk this life. It looks like something. This life looks like something. And for some of you, you might li- be living that life right now. You might look back at all of the years that you've lived and you think, man, I'm living that life. I'm, I'm living that. Today, I, I want to, if, if I can, is just say that, that Father God, Papa is preparing us for a life that he destined and called us to live. His way, not man's way. And sometimes we haven't quite captured and grabbed hold of everything that he has for us because there's always more. There's something that we can step into. This is not about, and I always say, it's not about who we're not. It's not about what we don't have. But it's understanding because of his love, where he has destined us to live, what he's purposed for us to do, what he has designed for the sons of men, his children, in how he wants us to live. Yeah, We have so often put our picture, our slant on our Christian walk. I've asked someone to share because coming up to Christmas, we've got to understand that all of that is only possible because Jesus was born. Full stop. If He didn't come, we wouldn't be here celebrating. Yeah. So I've asked Ross to share a testimony—not how he came to the Lord, but stuff that's happened in his life because it captures the pruning. It captures that for me. It captures the cutting. Yeah. It captures what God has done in his life and the outcome of that. And there was something that he actually said to me. And I've written it here. I'm going to see if I I got it half right, I reckon. I think i know it off the top. But I probably won't find it because, hey, yeah, I'm not supposed to. So I'll just go with, Ah, there, I did find it. See, I can share it. (laughs) Just in our conversation together. So I'm not sharing anything, but I'm hoping I'm not, not sharing what I'm not supposed to. But just in sharing the season that he's been in, one of the things we were discussing just in our time together over coffee was that the season has been hard yeah it's been hard but now i can see what the lord has done yeah i can see where he's brought me what he's given me and i wouldn't change that for the world no matter how hard that journey was i don't want to give back what he's given me because of this journey i've been through yeah so I've asked him to share, so we can grab hold of what it's like to live what I'm going to call this normal Christian life. It's on, I think. It was on. Is it red light? No, just press the button and hold it. Cool.
1: Yeah. <coughs> cool. It's uh, uh. <laughs> good. Thanks, Andrew. Um, before I do that, this is, this is something extra because I just I had, had just something I need to share because I, I had a dream this morning that um, it's a really, really beautiful dream and I've just been sitting there while Andrew's been talking, kind of remembering it, revisualising it and I was, um, this has nothing to do with what I'm going to say. I just feel I need to speak it out here because I was looking out to sea, if you imagine looking out to sea on a murky, you know of those mornings where you're waiting for the sun to burn? the fog and the cloud off the sea, you know the sun's up. And uh, I was looking out through that standing on the beach and I noticed a couple of dinghies coming around a headland um, coming across from my left to my right. Sort of, it was a silky, gently undulating sea. And I noticed these dinghies coming out, just three or four of them. But then as the fog cleared, um, I saw that that there was more dinghies in between. Um, The ones, there was guys sitting in the dinghies but in between the ones where they were sitting there was more dinghies and they were all hooked up in a chain. And they were all coming around the, the headland together and they were heavily laden and working their way back in. And they just kept coming and it was hundreds and hundreds of these dinghies all full of fish. And uh, they'd been out in to get their morning catch and come back with way, way, way more. and I, I just. I wanted to share it for our house because I have a sense of a few going out but coming back with an awful lot. Yeah. really beautiful image of all these hundreds and hundreds of dinghies linked up together. Um, I've really, I'm on the verge of tears as it is um, because um, I've really enjoyed the whole s- time that we're spending in this idea um, and this reality of pruning. Um, as soon as Andrew started into it, my heart leapt. Um, uh, it's just a really meaningful thing for me. Um, and I'll kind of tell you why. It's not something I've really been able to talk about a lot. Um, but uh, when I think about my life, it's something that God's been taking me through over the last five or six years, but it's come to a, a kind of a screaming point over the last two when when I look back at my lo- my life has been a really large life, um, for many 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 years. Um, for long before I came here even, a really full life, often very upfront, um, very public, often seen. Worship leader for many many years, playing in bands, playing in other bands, um, having my own business, um, having staff to look after um mentoring those staff exhibiting and traveling all around the world with art my art and stuff um big adventures and a growing ministry um of this was a while back with men um, and uh, a consultant here in the city on you know lots of committees ...and sort of reference groups, even with the city of Ballarat, started play groups for men here in town. Really, really active, a really wide landscape of my life. Um, But around um, 2011 and 2012, um, even while all that was still really, really full... ...I hit a point of depression Um, and it wasn't just a week or two of kind of, you know, bottom lip it was really a whole year and three to four nearly five months that i i couldn't even work and i I thank god for the staff that i had that carried the business through that time um and uh, on a i kind of backed out of a lot of things and at the same time on a on a very ordinary tuesday afternoon on the west side of ararat god lit the pilot light for a new direction in my life i didn't realize it at the time but i actually you know when you walk past your gas and you hear the part like a boom, and you hear it start to burn, you know. And I heard that in that moment. Um, and what, what God was taking me into was a new kind of career. It was to, be, to go from being a, a designer and all these other things into um, the simple art of driving trucks. It started right there. I have a picture of the moment. I know the time. I know the day, the date and everything and was deeply aware of it. But as the truck driving gathered momentum, everything else around me seemed to start to crumble. But at the time, I was pretty good about it all because I was excited by this new direction and thought, oh, well, those, those things will be okay. But a king hit came um, about two years ago when three very, very close friends of mine, men that I thought were, you know, the, they were the closest friends that I've ever had, um, all three of them walked away from me. Um, without any explanation and those three relationships ended in a very difficult and um, uh, in very, very difficult way and there began a season of deep, deep pain um, uh, of of complete rejection and I'd already felt that my life was shrinking, 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 shrinking but then this happened and I actually remember saying to God, am I going to disappear? You know, I thought <laughs> I was going to vanish. I felt so tiny, so unseen. Uh, you know, I'd gone from being quite public and that, and now I was, I was, I was, I was an ignominious, unknown, unnamed part of the fluoro army. You know, I'd never <laughs> been so visible in fluoro in fluoro clothes, and yet so completely invisible. You know, and I and I and I felt that um, in this new job that there were people that didn't even see me, know me, or notice me. Um, but so in that shrinking, in that being made smaller and smaller and smaller, to a point that I didn't even think I could really handle, it ended up being a season of just him and me, and that's what it's really been, um. So crucially for the last two years, um, I, I kind of lost everything. I didn't lose my family, of which I'm really, really thankful. <laughs> um, though I could have, um, at, at quite a number of points. Um. It's really. It's really amazing what God has done because when it when you lose a whole lot of stuff and it you, there's so much more room for you to find just Him. Yeah, and that's that's where it's at. That you can't get a depth of character and a growth of perspective. You can't widen back out um, by living like you're on a cruise ship. You don't you don't get it there. You you get it through these fires. You yeah. know. These, these these places of intense and great heat, you know. I was in the Grampians last weekend. It's looking beautiful because of the fires four years ago. You know, um, there's a whole lot of fruit that's come out of that. Um, talk to me about that um, one day. But, um, yeah, he, he proved his goodness beyond any doubt. And uh, that whole pruning, uh, I, I I can't, I can't. There are times when I don't want to lose a scrap of it. I've said it to you, haven't I, Andrew? Share maybe share a little bit of it, if you can. Just you know,
0: the season that you've been through. Yeah. God's done a restorative and a redeeming work. Yeah. So, in in amongst what was quite painful, and th- there were people and things that were seemed like they were disappearing, being subtracted. Yeah.
1: What's he, what's
0: been repla- What's he replaced? Yeah, with? yeah. yeah.
1: He's kind of added in in things. The things that he he gives. I, you know, those times when you, when you really have a heart cry to God. You know, those times where you really, you you long for something. You see it in someone else, or it goes past you, or you realize that you're highly lacking. ...in an area and you cry out to God. It's often just tears, it's not even said, Uh, you know. All these times when we come up the front here and we respond to something... ...it's like God was answering all of those. Well, not every single one of them. still very, very much a work in progress, you know. But um, uh, I'm aware of how deeply arrogant that I was. I don't think arrogance is pulled out. It's a weed that isn't pulled out very easily. Um, Um... the, and I, because he's proved his goodness, because um, so deeply and so beyond doubt, th- there's just this huge intimacy that I have with him that I walk, that I, f- that, that I, I barely have to take a step and I'm there, yeah. which I didn't have before, you know? And I would hear people call him Papa and things like that, and it was very cute, but it wasn't something that I could really do, you know? Whereas now it's kind of, oh, I don't know how to call him anything else really, you know? Um, there's deep 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 closeness um which leads which just has a whole lot of fruit has a whole lot of flow on you know in terms of trust and then a whole lot of peace comes out of that um yeah. because because i know him you know years ago at bible college remember they came up with the you know the new slogan for the year you know knowing god making him known and it didn't really mean any it seemed cute you know it kind of rhymed had a bit of jingle to it was musical (laughs) but 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 when you when you when you think about what that might mean you know i feel like i i I know him far greater and i will know him far 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 more than i do uh now um um struggling to read my writing yeah closer to my family um i hope i'm I find myself being more gracious than I thought I could be come on um, and and I find myself able at times to be um, incredibly forgiving um, of myself and and of others um, I'm a lot more careful in relationships um, although I lead I need them less and less and less kind of thing I, 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 when I'm, tr- I'm you know I, I spend. Fifty hours alone on the road every week in my truck, you know, a thousand kilometres a day, and it's mostly just him and me. And um, and and I I love that. That's that's my lifeblood. Um, I c- I c- that's so so precious. You know, I I wouldn't I couldn't easily replace that, and I don't wish for it to be replaced in a hurry. Um, I, I also noticed I have less, less, less desire to be in control of things. I, I feel a lot more carried, um, and, and whereas I used to try and arrange and control and contrive situations, I um, feel now I, I, I just kind of get on, <laughs> you know, and go, you know, and um, and amazingly, out of that comes a hell of a lot less fear. Not that I was a very fearful person to begin with. Um, and with less fear comes more confidence um s- paradoxically, yeah, so um th- the things you may not be able to spot. I might may look very similar as to how I always have but but these are things that I can Come see on. and um and and that I notice and that surprises me and that and the father sees you know
0: would it be right to say just just as you finish that? Things that come into your life, that come uh, across your path against you, depending on what yeah. what lemons life's throwing at a particular time, your reaction or dealing with them now is significantly different.
1: Yeah, 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 yep. That's
0: Absolutely. what I'm hearing.
1: Very. Yeah, mm. yeah. I'm not as not as tossed. I'm not as thrown yeah. uh, as as easily as I once was. I yeah. still can be. Yeah, I think all of us can be, um, but nowhere near as easily. Yeah, no way. No. And um, which leads to that much more deep being able to stay in him, yeah. and then it, it, the strength grows and grows and yeah. grows. Um, okay. and proc- being in proximity to him. That's good. Can
0: we put our hands together for Ross, please? <laughs> 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 Thank you, Ben. Thank,
2: Thank you, James
0: McDonald, um, that I had the the privilege of listening to at the Moore conference this year in one of his books he writes this he writes i know we are ultimately satisfied with jesus i realize that don't misconstrue my intentions but if i can phrase it this way we need to be dissatisfied with our current level of satisfaction <laughs> yeah good huh in case you missed it if i can phrase it this way we need to be dissatisfied with our current level of satisfaction, I've, I I have really admired the journey that Ross has been on. Part of that has meant that our relationship has has grown to another level. We often sit and just ponder the things of God. There's a depth there for both of us, yeah, that wasn't there before. Not just because God's doing a work in him, because God's doing a pruning and a shaping and a molding and empowering work in me too. Yeah, it's reciprocal that way. Um, and so often in life, because of the culture that we're brought up in, we try to arrive at those places by doing things ourselves. And God so shared a, a lovely revelation with me. And, and it really, for me, it depicts our Christian walk. And most of you know the Beatitudes. And I just want to read it because we need to have a look. Because everything that he does is so that we can grab hold of more of him Always, all the time, yeah? And some of it, some of the secret of who he is and what he has in store for us lies here, but not the way that we're always accustomed to reading and understanding. So Matthew 5, 1 to 10 says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside, sat down, his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy blessed are the pure in heart for they will see god blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of god blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven you know i want us to look at the beatitude just really quickly because often when we read this we come away thinking that for everything that we go through every experience that we have that's similar to that there's a reward for it yeah so if I find myself at any particular time where you know I'm poor in spirit, well then the kingdom of heaven's mine. It's my reward because I'm poor in spirit. This, there, there, there seems to be at times an understanding because, or a misunderstanding, because the enemy's taken God's language and then we t- we seem to receive his meaning. With the Beatitudes, it's like we almost come away pre-programmed to how we Think when we read it, because for many of us, it's about how we can be blessed at, at those particular points. I, I've even taught in the past that the beatitudes, it's almost like you're starting walking with God, and as you mature in your faith, you know, you, you run through the beatitudes this way. And here are the rewards as you get to the next level. Here's the reward when you get to the next level. But like the enemies played around with the language. And the meaning when it comes to the armor of God and other things. He's done the same with the Beatitudes. See, I believe often we think this if I want the kingdom of heaven, then I should be poor in spirit. You know, if I want to be comforted, well then I I should more. You know, if I want to inherit the earth, then I need to be meek and mild. If I want to be satisfied, then I should hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, if I want to receive mercy, then I, I have to be merciful. If I want to see God, then I must be pure in heart because that's what the Beatitudes is saying. If I want to be called a child of God, then I must be a peacemaker. But I think we have to understand this. It's not now or ever will it be about what we do. Ever. Not our salvation and nor the walk, the normal Christian life. It's never about what we do. It's never about what we do. It has always and will continue for eternity to be about what he has done and what he continues to give and make available for us his children yeah and i think for me ross in your testimony that's what you're discovering yeah you you went through some stuff and there was some pruning and cutting and often in that you got to think when you're thinking pruning just to put it out there as a reminder he prunes where there is fruit it's not bad stuff right it's good stuff He prunes where there is fruit so there'll be more fruit. So sometimes good things in your life feel like what's happening here? This was good, but God's getting you ready for what he wants to bring, yeah? See, I think where we've missed it a little bit is that we need to look at the Beatitudes a little bit differently. See, Father God just wants us to walk in our true identity, our original design, and the Beatitudes for me now Is what our life should look like when we're walking in our God given purpose and destiny. Yeah? So think of it this way Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It's not saying when you become poor in spirit that I'll give you the kingdom of God. Think of it like this On those days when you're feeling poor in spirit. Yeah? Anyone ever woken up? You don't have to put your hand up. Ever woken up? You feel poor in spirit? You know, almost bankrupt, deprived, yeah? Underprivileged? Like the list goes on, penniless, needed in the spirit. He's saying that when that moment comes, don't freak out, don't stress, because at that moment, know this, the kingdom of God is already yours. Yeah, You don't have to become poor in spirit to receive it, you've already got it. So when you're in that place of poverty of spirit for whatever reason, don't freak out, know this, the kingdom of heaven is yours right at that time. Right at that time to bring a harmony and a peace, yeah. He, he, it's just how he works, absolutely how he works. You know, it's not a reward for finding yourself poor in spirit. You know, God doesn't say, "All right, awesome, grace, you're poor in spirit. Oh, well done, good and poor in spirit, child." He's the kingdom of God. No, he's saying, "Grace." You're, you're, you're experiencing, you're feeling, you're in a moment at a time where you're feeling poor in spirit. Hey, my child, the kingdom of heaven, it's already yours. That's, that's how it is. That's how he speaks. That's how we should be reading the Beatitudes. That's what Ross is discovering. That's what I'm discovering. That's what we should all be discovering as we walk this normal Christian life. Yeah. You know, blessed are those who, who mourn for they will be comforted. You don't have to mourn for God to comfort you. Yeah? You're hearing what I'm saying. He's a loving God. He's not waiting for you to fall over, scratch your knee, partner to go away, someone to die, loss of money, so he can so he can come and comfort you. He's going to comfort you. Full stop. So when you find yourself in that season of mourning, for whatever reason, he's saying, "Hey, my child." I'm here. I will give you comfort right now. It's already there for you. Not because you're mourning, but because you're mourning, I'm going to comfort you. Do you understand that we need to take the English language and what the enemy has done and just turn it around to bring it about the way that God had always intended us to understand it. And all of that is possible because Jesus came. If Jesus never came, we would never be comforted. If Jesus never came, we wouldn't receive the kingdom of heaven none of these things would be there that are always there yeah they're not a reward they are so not a reward when life has been so so tough i'm going to reward i'm going to comfort you sorry i nearly said reward didn't i it's not a reward it's my gift to you that's what father's saying it's my gift to you because jesus came you know blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. You know, for me, it's not saying, hey, you need to be meek and gentle, you need to be quiet, submissive, patient, long-suffering, you know. You, you need to be all those things. You need to be resigned in the fact that, you know, hey, this is just my life. No, it's, he's saying when you're being and feeling those things in your life, know that the earth is your inheritance. I've already given it to you. In fact, all the way back in Genesis, here's the earth and all that it's in it. Go! take dominion, be fruitful, multiply, it's yours. In those times of your life where it just feels like stuff is ebbing away, yeah? Where you're feeling like, I I, I loved your thought, is there going to be anything of me left? You want to talk about meek and gentle and resigned? Is there going to be anything of me left? He just, he steps into this space, not, not as a, as a reward because of what you're going through. But he says, the earth is your inheritance. It's okay. Keep walking this Christian life. Keep walking this Christian life. I have given you all the tools that you need to be extraordinarily natural. I've given you all the tools that you need to be supernaturally normal. I've given you everything that you need to live this Christian life outstandingly. It's a gift, not a reward. And it's because Jesus came. What a perfect thing to remember at Christmas time. yeah. His birth has made all of this possible to live this life. I love this one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. In fact, I'll pick on Ross because we were just having a conversation the other day. For they will be filled, it says the scripture. If we can be hungry and thirsty for Father God, then he'll fill us. No, 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 that's not how it works. He's already come. He's already given us His Son. He's already filled us, yeah? But that quote from James MacDonald earlier, we need to be dissatisfied with our level of satisfaction. What it's saying is when you're hungry, when there's something inside you that, you know, who's ever, maybe it's just me because of my wonderful physique, who's ever sat at home at night watching TV, you've eaten, you've done dinner, you've done all that sort of stuff, but all of a sudden you just feel like something. Anyone ever done that? You go to the fridge, look in the fridge, go to the pantry, you go back to the fridge, go back to the pantry. You actually find something or settle on something, you sit down and you eat it. And then next commercial break, (laughs) you're hungry. There's something. You're actually satisfied, but there's there's some level of dissatisfaction because you want something else. It's saying when you're hungry, when you're thirsty... Hello, I'm, I've filled you and I will continue to fill you. You want more of me? I'm going to give you more of me. He doesn't hold anything back. He's a good, good father. He doesn't say, oh, check it out, it's Barry. Barry wants more of me. Hey, watch this, Jesus. Um, you know, and Holy Spirit, watch this. Let's just hang out and see how long you will be hungry for. Oh, he's waning already. I knew he couldn't do it. He doesn't really want. He's not saying that. He's going, check it out, Holy Spirit. He wants more. Go. Yeah, that's what he's saying. It's not because you're, you're so hungry that you're famished and you're showing ribs like me. He's saying when you know that there's a dissatisfaction, I'm going to come and I'm going to fill you and fill you and fill you till your cup overflows so you can live this normal Christian life. The Beatitudes is all about him equipping us now that he's empowered us with his spirit so that we can be a different people. Are people that point to Jesus? Are people that they they look and they go, wow, man, if that's your God, you know what? I want what you're having. You know that commercial? I'm going to have, please give me some of that God. Not that, I want that God. Because there's something different, something different in us. When you're lacking something, there's still something that you need, there's still a want, you have a craving, and he's saying, in that moment, on that day, Fear not, I'm going to feel you. It's okay. He's a good God, made possible because of Jesus. Everything that we need to live a Christian life is already there, but we have to know it in our knower so that it can get into our hearts. Yeah, Because you're gonna, when it talks about knowing Jesus, knowing him, when the Bible talks about know, there's three or four scriptures that talk about knowing him more. It's actually talking about a knowing, not just a know, it's a knowing, it's an experience and encounter. Yeah? Because he shared his testimony, I'm picking on that. Ross has been through a season, and because of that, he's had an experience and encounter with God. He's seen these things come to fruition in his life. So now when things come at him, yeah, it's not a begging, it's not a request. He just knows that. Father, God's got it. It's already there. Yeah? I'm going to be filled. I, I'm going to be comforted. The earth is mine. God is good. Yeah. The Beatitudes isn't a list of tasks. They're a list of reassurances for what is already placed there for us in our time of need. Yeah? Man, I, I could go on and on and on. I, I love the whole peacemaker bit, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. So people are running around the world trying, trying to be peacemakers so that they can be children of God. The minute that you say yes to Jesus, you're a child of God. The minute you say yes to Jesus, you're a child of God. And the minute you find yourself being a peacemaker in life, those around you are be the ones that will say, that must be a child of God. yeah, Because now they've witnessed you walking out this christian life you know you don't become a child of god because of what you've done because you brought peace to a situation you're already a child of god but when you're bringing peace in a situation he's glorified and it's only possible because jesus came i love it love your enemies pray for those who persecute you he saved us he redeemed us he restored us he makes us he shapes us into the image of his son Empowers and equips us So that we can live a normal Christian life here on earth as it is in heaven, yeah? I want us to watch a video. I've got a video to watch and I I won't apologize for the length of time. But I want you to know this. I want you to, I hope, and my prayer is that it will work in your heart the same way it worked in mine. Because when I watched it, man, I was moved. I was bawling my eyes out, yeah? I was totally inspired. And in the same breath, absolutely challenged. Because I know that there's more. And then, as I was preparing this word, after finding that video, I come across, as I'm reading James MacDonald's book, I come across that That passage where he says, we need to be dissatisfied with our current level of satisfaction. I go, that's why. That's what was stirring on the inside of me. There's a life that we can live that's there for us. And then God goes, remember the word? Remember when you're in that room and you guys were praying? And I said, awakening. There's an awakening. This is what an awakening looks like. These aren't special people. These are people that are living, knowing that the Beatitudes and everything in them is not a reward for what they go through, but is a reassurance for where they find themselves at times. And this is for us, children of God, to grab hold of to live differently, regardless of whether we've been walking with the Lord for five minutes or whether it's been 85 years. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, but you can still go deeper. There is still more. There are still greater depths that we can dig to receive more of him, greater heights that we can scale as we become more like his son Jesus. It's not about what we're not what we don't have. It's about all that he desires for us because he's a good, good father and you need to you know, frame it in that light. So let's watch this video. Get ready. If anyone needs tissues, they're there. If not, my sleeve's available in Jesus' name. Thanks, Laurie.
2: This video contains reenactments.
3: However, all footage of the child is actual footage taken at the time of the events. In previous episodes, you've seen people imitate Christ and touch the world around them. But what does it look like to live like this behind closed doors? I want to show you a glimpse into what this has recently looked like for me and my family. Is it possible to live free from fear in a world that is plagued by it? I believe it is. And this became especially important for my wife Hayley as the birth of our first child drew near.
4: When
5: I was pregnant with Gabriella, I decided that I didn't want to have any fear during the birth. And that was something that was really important to me. I believe I didn't have any fear during the birth and it was a very good birth.
3: While Hayley was in labor, the nurses kept commenting on how peaceful we were. They weren't used to that. And then I would pray for them and they definitely weren't used to that, especially one with a neck injury who was healed as I prayed. I'll never forget the first moment I saw Gabriella.
5: She was a perfect little baby.
3: I can remember looking at her and saying, Haley, she's got your lips.
5: The first half an hour was the most incredible half an hour of
3: my life. We did it, babe. What's
6: her, name? her name is Gabriella.
3: Yeah. Little did we know, in an instant everything would change, and our decision to have no fear was about to be put to the test.
5: About half an hour after she was born, they noticed that she was breathing really quickly. It kept getting worse and worse. She required
6: more and more oxygen. She started to have some breathing problems and um, needed some oxygen. So at that time we got the paediatrician to come in and help us as well. And from there she just rapidly deteriorated very quickly. The paediatricians and the people I'd call in to assist took Gabriella with Nathaniel to the special care nursery.
3: I joined Gabriella in the nursery and it became clear that this was really serious. They had her on oxygen and they were trying to get needles into her tiny veins in order to sedate her. And they kept missing the vein over and over again. All the while I had my hands on her and I was praying for her, telling her, daddy's here, daddy's here. If we're not careful, we'll be thanking God when things are going well and moments later blaming him when they're not. But it's the enemy who comes to kill, steal and destroy. Jesus brings life. Finally, they, uh, they got Gabriella to sleep and um, Haley came in and the doctor took us into the next room.
5: At this point, she was unconscious because they had heavily sedated her. They had to put a tube down her throat and give her 100% oxygen. Nathaniel and I were in a little room next to the room where Gabriella was. Five minutes after they put the tube down her throat, her heart stopped. None of the doctors expected that. Nobody expected
3: that. We heard the sound of doctors and buzzers going off. They were doing CPR on our daughter, and we heard the sound of...
6: One, One, two, two, three, breathe. One, two, three,
5: breathe.
3: What do we do as Christians in moments like this, when we're facing serious trials? Sometimes we can be overwhelmed and even pray out of fear. What if we were not moved by situations around us because of who he is within us? So that's exactly what I did. I looked at Hayley and I held her hand.
5: Nathaniel just said to me, let's have no fear. Let's just pray and let's just believe God. I was just like, okay. And I put my hand on his hand and the nurse next to us put her hand on our hands. And she
3: said, let's pray. It was at that moment that we realised Amy, the midwife, was actually a Christian.
6: So we just started praying. And I just thought, this is... I'm here today because I need to stand in the gap. Nathaniel said, I just rebuke the spirit of death. And I was like, whoa, harsh, you know, like... <laughs> but it really challenged me. It's like, no, there's, there's actually a fight right now yeah going on for her life.
3: Minute after minute went by without a pulse, and we continued to pray, not begging God, but partnering with Him, knowing it was His will to heal her.
5: For me, that was a very weak moment. (laughs) But right then, I saw a vision of Jesus. I saw him walk up to Gabriella and I saw him put his hand on her.
3: After four minutes, Gabriella's heartbeat came back.
5: From that moment when I saw that vision of Jesus, for me, it was okay. Her heart had started again after
6: four minutes, but she was gray. It's the color of death. The logical conclusion was that Gabriella wouldn't survive.
5: Doctors came in to us and they said, things are very serious. We don't know what's wrong, but something is very wrong.
3: They were very concerned and trying to prepare us for the worse. But I've made a choice in my life to share the gospel no matter what. And the nurse that was telling us the bad news seemed to have an issue with her throat. So even in that moment, I told her, we're not worried, God has our daughter, but let me pray for your voice. So I prayed for her. The doctors were used to people being distraught in situations like this, but Haley and myself had a God-given peace. So they assumed we were in denial about the gravity of the situation and contacted our pastor, hoping she'd speak some sense into us. But they didn't know our pastor.
4: I got a phone call from the hospital saying, Pastor Catherine, uh, uh, something has happened. And I could tell from the tone of her voice, she was very worried. So I said, what's, what's gone on? And she said, well, baby's had a heart attack. And that was enough for me, they, these guys are family. As I walked in, the nurses were waiting for me and they said, we're so glad you're here. You need to help them understand that really this is much more serious than they seem to to realise. I think they thought that I was going to help with the grief counselling. I looked at them and thought, mm, you've got the wrong lady here. As I walked in, Nathaniel's praying for one of the nurses, as you would expect, because that's just who he is. And Haley had just a supernatural peace and... I said to them, well, Haley, you need to start expressing. Nurses, you need to make sure she starts expressing milk. This baby is going to feed. This this is this is going to be normal. And I'm pretty sure the nurses were all thinking, I don't think they understand. <laughs> so we just prayed, we worshiped. Well, there was Gabriella all hooked up to the life support machine, and I said, let's take a picture. I remember overhearing one of your pastors say,
6: take a photo of her like this because you're gonna need it for the testimony. And I was like, oh Lord, please let that be true because all of the facts tell us it's impossible.
3: We were then transferred to one of the biggest hospitals in the area and Gabriella was placed in a nursery for babies in critical condition. Gabriella's state was rapidly deteriorating and they were struggling to keep her alive. One lung collapsed, then the other.
5: They'd given her shots of adrenaline. She had tubes everywhere. But it was almost like I was in a bubble of God's peace. I just knew that God was holding us, holding her.
3: Early the next morning, I was sitting next to Gabriella, reading the Bible to her. One of the doctors came in and he said to me, Nathaniel, can you take a seat? I could tell this was a difficult conversation for the doctor to have to have with me. He was trying to console me about the situation with my daughter. And at a certain point, I stopped him and said, Doctor, I need you to understand. I'm not worried because I'm a man of God. Just tell me the facts so I know what to pray for. Then he opened up and explained, That because of the lack of oxygen to my daughter's brain during the four minutes that her heart had stopped he believed that she had brain damage and that that was the reason she was not responding i asked the doctor what would you need to see to know that she's doing okay and he said well she's not responding so any response so i asked him what would you think if she opened her eyes and he said i'd be astonished I looked him in the eyes and I said, Doctor, prepare to be astonished. God's gonna heal my daughter. What do you need prayer for? He was so impacted that he just said, wow, you're very kind, thank you. And I got to pray for him. At this point, we and many others had been praying for almost two days. And medically speaking, there was no reason to think we would ever see our daughter's eyes again, let alone any form of recovery. I went into a bathroom and I shut the door. Gabriella, something is very with your baby, with your baby. Serious breakdown. I've learned that not every thought that enters my head is my own. And as I was in that bathroom, this boldness came over me. I had complete confidence that God would heal my daughter. But I also knew that even losing my daughter could not steal the peace I have in Jesus. And I said, enemy? Your plans to take my daughter will not succeed. But no matter what happens to my daughter, my peace is in Christ alone. That night, Haley and I were sitting and looking at Gabriella.
5: After two days of not seeing my baby's eyes, she opened her eyes and she looked at us. And that was just amazing. The doctors were surprised.
3: (laughs) Not only had she opened her eyes, but it was suddenly as if she was perfectly healthy. Even her lungs, which had previously collapsed and should have shown abnormalities, now looked completely normal. And the same doctor I said, prepare to be astonished to, came running in with an x-ray of her lungs. And he was like, this is amazing, this is amazing. And I said, this is Jesus.
5: The doctors kept doing their tests and they couldn't find anything wrong.
3: No brain damage, no lung trauma, nothing wrong with her heart. No one could explain it, but she was instantly well.
4: She didn't even need a feeding tube. She went straight to breastfeeding. She was healthy and normal. Developmentally, you look at her now, she is perfect. Absolutely perfect. (laughs) I love it. There is nothing God can't do.
6: My mind couldn't reconcile (laughs) this grey child with tubes everywhere to a robust newborn going home. She was healed miraculously. It certainly was obvious that these guys were a Christian family. They'd called upon God and their God had answered their prayers.
3: Over the next few days, most of the doctors and nurses who had helped with Gabriella came to see her amazed at the change. All the world's waiting to see what it looks like for Christians to go through trials and have unconditional peace.
5: Amen. In every situation, God wants us to have no fear because He is perfect love. <laughs> <laughs>
0: regardless of the outcome thanks for the lights regardless of the outcome it was their peace that just told the story wasn't it what does Beatitudes say those that are the peacemakers yeah, will be called children of God it was obvious that these guys were Christians even the Christian midwife said this is the life that awaits us yes miracles will come sometimes they won't I love Nathaniel's Words in in a sense when he said, you know, regardless of what happens, my peace is in Jesus. Yeah, we go through everything that we go through. We go through the pruning, we go through the cutting, we go through the shaping, the empowering, the equipping. We go through all of that so that we can live out the attitudes every single day. Why don't we stand? I'm gonna. If the worship team's here, I want to sing that Christmas hymn. and it's entirely up to you church but 2018 is going to be a year of awakening and some of you may feel comfortable some of you may not feel comfortable but i'm going to invite you to come forward and to sing this song because if you capture the words in this carol if you capture the words they are what i've been talking about this day and our action of coming forward is saying lord I want to be part of that awakening. I want that to happen inside of me. Yeah? So as we sing, if that's you, come forward. If you're uncomfortable, I understand. If it's easier, step out into the aisle. But take a step of faith and say, I want to live like that couple. When trials and tribulations come, I want to experience what Ross has experienced. When life is throwing lemons, I want to so be Jesus personified because of what he's done in me. It's available to us, yeah? It's available to us. Let's sing, amen. Father, this day, we stand in agreement with all that you have in store for us. Father, this day, we stand in the name of Jesus Christ. We say thank you that you sent him. Thank you that he was born. And Father, this season, we celebrate his birth. And Father, we celebrate what you are birthing within us. We celebrate what's to come. We thank you for what's been But, Father, we know that there's a world that's waiting for the sons and daughters of God to raise up, Father, to be full of peace, to be full of love, to be full of understanding, to do battle in the way that you've set us apart. So, Father, we thank you for this moment in time. We thank you, God, for the line that we've drawn in the sand to say we're going to be different forevermore. This is our time. This is our season. Church, I want to speak into the vision that Ross had. And he saw those dinghies that were floating and as they became closer, there was more and more people on the dinghy. Let me say this. We have endeavoured to build family here and I've learned this. When you establish family... Children will come when you establish family. Children will come. 2018 will be a year of awakening. So, all I can say is hang on to your hats, strap on, hold on to your belts. Make sure that you're buckled in. Yeah, because there is a season that's coming where he will be glorified through our lives, not because of the supernatural miracles but because of the supernatural life in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen.